We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We have a, a very fun episode today, and Jason is on the road. He's moving to Texas, so he is not available today. So I am happy to be joined by our new co-host, Alex Insdorf. Alex, how are you doing today? Good, good. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I just moved down here to Florida um, for an internship, but yeah, so... Um, yeah, things have been pretty good. I'm still writing for Pulp Beat and all that, so yeah, things are pretty good down here. Yeah, Alex has been a, a staple over at Bolt Beat. You know, I've known him as long as I have written for Bolt Beat, and you know, recently the the site has gone through some changes. You know, Tyler and our former editor are gone, and Jason Reed is our new uh, junior editor, and Alex has really stepped up during that time, and and uh, he's been gracious enough to step up here as well. So we're gonna have him on. Uh, joining me and Jason for, you know, as long as Alex is willing to and and help us during this uh, transition period as Tyler is off, you know, studying, studying the, the world of medicine and doing some special things there. So, like I said, we do have a fun episode today. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the coronavirus situation. Um, you know, I'm kind of sick of talking about it, but the news, there is news relevant to the NFL. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and then we'll talk about the cryptic well, not so cryptic, tweets from Chris Jones. And then we'll finish it off with a new segment that we're going to do, which is buy or sell. So that being said, let's start off with the coronavirus <clears throat> situation. And, you know, it's been evolving rapidly. And obviously sports like baseball and basketball have had their seasons altered and stopped midway. 
But everything for the NFL is basically yet to come. So today it came out that the NFL has decided or is going to decide tomorrow. We're recording this Wednesday. So tomorrow the NFL will have a vote uh, deciding on how many preseason games or if there are any preseason games. And the proposal, the first proposal is to cut it from four to two. But the NFLPA thinks that it might be best to have no preseason games at all. So Alex, what do you make of the NFL potentially not having a preseason or having just two preseason games? Um, I feel like this was kind of coming, right? Uh, just because it, you know, it doesn't make a ton of sense to risk them for like, you know, meaningless games. And I, I also don't want to say meaningless because, like, you know, it does mean a lot to like players who, you know, are just trying to make the roster. You know, a lot of those um, undrafted free agents, which I think we'll talk about later, uh, for specifically the Chargers. But, um, you know, this is kind of where the future is headed anyway to an extent because with the 17 game season i believe the thing with that is that they're shortening it to a two or three game preseason anyway instead of a four game um so that's kind of where the future was heading anyway but i do think though yeah there will be some effects from the preseason i'm sure coaches probably aren't going to be thrilled (laughs) um that you know they are really just going to have training camp and there were reports saying there might be only be one preseason game. Uh, I saw that from, um, I think it was Mike Garofalo on Twitter tweeted that out. Um, so there's a lot of reports saying there's probably only going to be one or two preseason games, if any. Um, so that's really going to put a, a big emphasis on training camp um, and less on the kind of, you know, uh, rehearsal games that we've kind of been become accustomed to. So... Um, that's definitely going to affect the roster and probably what it would have been versus what it will be, um, especially when talking about guys who are kind of at the you know bottom of the roster. Yeah, definitely. I think that really is who preseason is really made for, and that's kind of been the development over the last few years as starters really only play one preseason game uh, or one and a half. So like you mentioned, the undrafted free agents, you know, the late-round picks and other teams, I think – you know, Alohi Gilman and KJ Hill, I think they're safe. I think they're going to be on the roster. I think in other situations with teams who had 10, 11 draft picks, you know, their late-round draft picks might not make the team. So the Chargers have had a great tradition of undrafted free agents making the roster from uh, obviously Roderick Teamer last year and Michael Davis and Austin Eckler and, you know, all these guys. And Daniel Popper was the one who said that if this were the year that Austin Eckler were coming into town, then he probably doesn't make the team. Because he really showed out in preseason. That's how he made his mark. So I think all of us assume that if they decide to keep a fullback, then one of the two fullbacks will make the roster. Um, Do you think that's the only undrafted free agent we see make the roster? You know, there's Joe Gaziano, I think is pretty tempting. Maybe a corner. Is the fullback the only one, though? Probably. I mean, well, there is a little bit of room now because they did bump the roster from 53 to it's 55 or 56 now right so there might be a little bit of room for like one two probably just one or two but yeah i definitely think buddy holly is the most likely one just because they um yeah they do kind of want that fullback like that uh derek watt kind of um impact on the team um so i do think they kind of want that uh I feel like Gaizano uh, is probably the second most likely. 
um, just for some depth at defensive end. And then from there, I really think those would be the only two that probably, especially with the shortened preseason now, probably have the best chance to make the team. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. And definitely, you know, we've talked about Bobby Holly so many times, and we did do an undrafted free agent preview um, right after the draft. So you, if you're listening, then, you know, we have the episode out for you. Uh, so we highlighted some guys there that we think could have a good chance of making the roster. But, you know, that'll be really interesting. You know, I feel for the guys, you know, that's just the reality of the situation this year in 2020 is, you know, if you're in a transition period, it's going to be tough, whether that be going from high school to college or college to the workforce or what, in this case, undrafted free agent. That's just, it's going to be a tough reality. And that's just, you know, the unfortunate part of 2020. So, it also came out that the NFL is thinking of having a waiver system to have fans attend the games, which I think is is kind of playing with fire there. What did you make of that report? I don't, I don't see how fans at games are gonna happen. I mean, I mean, likely it's. I think the NFL will allow fans at games, but like, you know. I just think the restrictions are going to be so tight in a lot of these states, especially where you're seeing spikes right now, then it's just like, I can't see, I, I don't know, if, you know, Florida, for example, starting to like close stuff down, like beaches and stuff. I can't see them like reopening everything in a month and a half and then just being like, okay, well now we, we can fill the stadium 50%. Like, I just don't see that happening. Um, but it'll probably depend state by state. Um, as to whether that happens. Um, I think the interesting thing to watch will actually be baseball a little bit. Not that, you know, we could debate whether baseball is interesting <laughs> to watch. But um, from the NFL standpoint, baseball is the only other sport right now that will be doing uh, a non-bubble uh, system where yeah. you have teams traveling from uh, ballpark to ballpark. Um, so I think that'll be interesting for the NFL to watch and see hey, can we do fans? Can we do, you know, uh, can we really do this, you know, travel thing with the coronavirus, you know, around? So I think baseball will actually be the one to watch to see kind of how the NFL um, moves forward here. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because baseball is doing kind of the regional traveling system. So really you're only doing, you know, your own division and the, the opposite of your division. So I think if the NFL looks at that, and things don't get better, I think they could kind of maybe adjust on the fly and say, you know, we're just going to do region-based football, and, and maybe that that's what they have to do. Uh, I think when it comes to fans, though, having a waiver system, that's that's tricky because you have to regulate it no matter what. I can't imagine, like you said, that they would allow more than 50% capacity in these stadiums of over 70,000 people. So if you're doing a waiver system – how do you how are these teams going to choose who gets in or is it season ticket holders only is it family members get first privilege so that's going to be really interesting to watch um now that you mentioned baseball though there's there is this talk in terms of the MLB and the NBA about it being an asterisk for whoever wins the championship uh Alex is a big Sixers fan I think I know how you're going to answer this question if the Sixers won the championship would you feel like it would be an asterisk next to that title no, and like if that, you know, obviously I'm biased as a Sixers fan if they won the title, but I mean, yeah, you know, I was listening to Giannis talk, and he was talking about how it's actually probably going to be harder to win the championship. Like, I mean, this is like an unforeseen circumstance where everyone's going to be in a bubble, 
like you might have players like regularly rotating in and out of lineups because they test positive. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a crazy situation. So, like, yeah, I, I agree with the idea that it's it's going to be much harder than, like, the normal NBA title or, like, the normal MLB NHL uh, season because, like, it's it's a totally different environment right. um, where we just don't know what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you have the, uh, the Lakers out here signing uh, J.R. Smith <laughs> because Avery Bradley didn't want to come. Um you know, so it's going to be interesting to see also the NBA. I think next week is the deadline for players that want to opt in and out. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And, yeah, I honestly don't think there will be an asterisk for me. I think it'll be honestly much harder um, to win a championship than probably any other year. Yeah, I, I totally, I'm, I'm with you there because, you know, I feel like if you're a younger team, this probably – from a playing standpoint, like you're young, you're in shape, like it, it, it kind of helps you a little bit. But if you're older, it's probably harder to get into this rhythm after having three months off. So I'm with you. Unless there's like a clear, like this, like the Sixers, for example, are the only team that avoid the virus and like the Raptors lose Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol and like the Bucks lose Giannis and Chris Middleton. And then whoever comes out of the West is losing their best players. Like right. maybe in that kind of instance. But like you said, you know, the NBA is in a bubble. There's going to be no fans there. It's three months off, which, and basketball, I feel like is, it's more of like a rhythm based sport than like mm-hmm. the NFL. You just have to be fast. And you have to hit, you have to run routes. Like the NBA, you need to be in a good rhythm to be successful. So that'll be interesting. Uh, and then the last coronavirus topic that we're going to touch on here is something that you actually brought up in the bolt beat chat a few weeks ago. And that is the cap implications of having the coronavirus because you know, teams were expecting to have a major spike next year, which obviously the Chargers desperately need. You know, with Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, all these guys up for free agents. Uh, but how do you think the long-term ramifications of this coronavirus in terms of the cap will play out? Thing for the Chargers in a way, um, because if you look at the Chargers' cap right now, like let's say the cap goes down twenty percent, which is the estimate, right? So it goes right. from. 200 mil to about 160 mil, which is a steep drop for a lot of teams. But, you know, consider the Chargers have a lot of their free agents up next year, so their free agents are probably going to end up taking uh, less than what the market value would have been uh, pre-coronavirus, right? So maybe Joey Bosa takes 20 instead of 25, you know, with the market being 20% down. Maybe Keenan Allen takes 15 instead of 20. Like, you know, I mean, we're going to be talking about guys taking pretty steep drops because, like, teams just aren't going to have the cap room unless the NFL, you know, it has some leeway and is like, okay, you guys can go, like, 10 mil over the cap or something, which well, the Saints are allowed to do that every year. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> The cap does not exist in New Orleans. Yes, it doesn't exist. Um, but, yes, yeah, so, yeah, I'm... I think it could kind of help them. And also keep in mind, yeah, they're not paying a quarterback. I mean, they're paying Tyrod five this year, and they're paying Justin Herbert eight for the next, what, four years, um, plus the potential fifth-year option probably. I mean, Justin Herbert hasn't signed his contract, but that's likely um, what it's going to be. Um, so, you know, presuming you have the rookie quarterback for the next four years and you have a free agency that – a lot of free agents in a year where you're going to have a decreased market – that could probably benefit the Chargers as opposed to a team like the Chiefs, who we'll get to in a second with Chris Jones, 
who, you know, have Chris Jones as a free agent, who's going to be worth about $20 million, plus, you know, have the behemoth Patrick Mahomes extension coming up. So, and they're already close to the cap already. So it's, um, I think the Chargers probably are in a better position because they're um, not paying a quarterback right now. And um, a lot of their free agents are going to be coming up in a year with a decreased market. So they might be able to do something there. Yeah, that's an interesting point because the Chargers have so many guys that are coming up for contracts. So, you know, like you mentioned, the rookie the rookie deal that is Justin Herbert is going to be a really big advantage for this team. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the Chris Jones situation. Uh, so for those who are not aware, he has been given the offer of playing on the franchise tag for 2020. Uh, that would pay him around $18 million, I believe. Uh, he wants a long-term deal, and he thinks that he is worth over $20 million, which, you know, he's a great player. He's been a difference maker for that team, and he's been arguably the best defensive tackle not named Aaron Donald over the last few years. But $20 million, that's a that's a bit of a stretch for me, and especially, like you mentioned, the Patrick Mahomes deal. And so he tweeted out in response to an NFL Network thing, uh, if he doesn't get his $20 million, he said, quote, or I won't play. Le'Veon Bell told me about this. End quote. <laughs> uh, Alex, what do you make of the Chris Jones situation and him likely holding out to get his money? I mean, the Chris Jones holdout makes sense, whereas I think the Le'Veon Bell holdout never really made sense because of the value of running back position right. versus interior linemen. Like, teams are always looking for interior linemen, and if you. Um, have one of those top three, like, it's just so valuable to your team. Like, as you said, Aaron Donald in L.A. um, is just so valuable to the Rams. Fletcher Cox in Philadelphia um, is just a monster uh, there. He's my second-best tackle in the league, and then Chris Jones probably goes after that at number three. Um, And the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl without Chris Jones. I mean... You know, he stonewalled uh, Derrick Henry in that playoff game in the AFC Championship in that interior line. And then he terrorized poor uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in the Super Bowl. Right. Um, so, like, you know, we can debate whether the Chiefs should pay him because, like, the salary cap. But I, I absolutely think that uh, Chris Jones is probably worth $20 million, uh, maybe a little bit higher. So, for reference in terms of contracts... Um, Aaron Donald signed that six-year 135 uh, a couple of years ago, too. And Chris Jones, uh, sorry, uh, Fletcher Cox signed that six-year 103 about four years ago. So you could probably put Chris Jones somewhere in the middle there and be like, you know, he's worth five years, 100 million, six years, 120, somewhere around that for, you know, the level of production he brings to the interior. And I just don't think that's a stretch. Um, whether the Chiefs will be the ones to pay him that contract, I don't know. But I definitely think some team uh, will be willing to pony up that money when you can get uh, a top three defensive tackle in the league. Yeah, if there's any team that really needs or has seen the lack of uh, pressure from the interior, it's been the Chargers. You know, they have had almost no kind of presence there and they're hoping that Jerry Tillery can bring that you know Brandon Meebane had like four sacks in four years in his whole Chargers tenure so the Chargers they need that kind of interior pressure and you know it's become so valuable because you can put Chris Jones next to Frank Clark and you can't double team either one and so I wrote this article for Bolt Beat um no one really liked the idea which I was pretty surprised at 
about trading potentially trading Desmond King to the Chiefs for Chris Jones in a first-round pick. Am I crazy for suggesting that, Alex? No, I mean, I would love Chris Jones tomorrow. If if the trade is Desmond King in a first for Chris Jones, I would do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. Like, everybody was like, you're overestimating the value there. And I'm like, well, you're giving a first-round pick, too. Um, I think you could debate, you know, does it make sense for the Chargers to give Chris Jones an extension? Because, you know, um, they have a lot of contracts coming up, as we said. But if you were just trading for one year of Chris Jones... I think that's super worth it when he's playing next to Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. I mean, that that might be the best defensive line in the league if you put that together. Right. If you if you put a defensive line of Chris Jones, Linval Joseph, Joey Bosa, and Melvin Ingram, that would be the best line in the league. I, I don't even know if it would be a debate at that point. Um, and so just putting that kind of line together, that's an opportunity you couldn't pass up. Now, it'll never happen because the Chiefs will never trade right <laughs> Chris division, Jones here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe they traded for the NFC or something. Um, but, you know, like they did a couple years ago with the... Wait, uh, who am I thinking? Oh, no, the Seahawks traded Frank Clark. Never mind. Uh, never mind. Um, but, yeah, so... Yeah, I think that... I think that he'll probably play the season. I think he'll likely play. Probably won't hold out. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think... Chiefs are in a tricky position to re-sign him just because of the Mahomes contract and probably the guys that they have to re-up in a few years anyway, like Tyreek, um, Travis Kelsey, probably up, uh, I don't know exactly what years they're up, but I would assume 2022, somewhere around there. So, I mean, they probably got to pay those guys. So They also have one of the better uh, offensive tackle duos in the league with Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. So the Chiefs are yeah. going to have to come to a point where they're all in on the offense, which, I mean, they mm-hmm. their defense has never been, like, great, but it's been passable with guys like Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew who can, you know, make enough plays to really kind of counteract the other teams. But the Chiefs are going to have to make some tough decisions, and, you know, so is every team. And honestly, from a player perspective, if I'm looking at my value right now, I understand you want to get paid. But in this pandemic world, I think it would be really foolish of a player to hold out this year because of the cap potentially decreasing next year. Like if he plays this season on the franchise tag and he doesn't hold out and then next season the cap goes down by 20%, like you said, you know, he's not going to be getting the kind of contract that he wants. So if I'm a player and I'm thinking long-term here, like if I know I'm not going to get what I want next year because of the cap decreasing, I'm playing this year. I'm not holding out like Jamal Adams, hold out if you want to, but you're not going to get paid the kind of contract that you think you deserve next year. Same with Chris Jones. I honestly think Jamal Adams just wants out of New York. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've said that for a while, but, like, I, I don't know how big he is on, like, I, want, I mean, obviously I think he wants a big second contract, but I don't know. I think he just, there were reports about Adam Gase and all that. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I think he just might want the first, uh, the first jet out of New York. I think this um, new GM that the Jets have, I think he'll, right the ship eventually but the mm-hmm. Jets have been such a disaster of a franchise for the last few years really ever since Rex Ryan left which is just shocking and that has been like their most stable situation was when Rex Ryan was their head coach but yeah it, it, this is also one of the things I was thinking about today how did the Chargers get to one AFC championship game with Philip Rivers and the Jets got to two with Mark Sanchez <laughs> it's just unfair yeah, I put out this, I, I think you saw, but the biggest what-if in Charger history, and 
like seven people responded. Nate Katie makes his field goals against the Jets, and they probably have a Super Bowl. So yeah, that's immediately what I thought. Um, that and you know, what if like LT and Gates don't sit out the AFC Championship game against the Patriots with the injuries? Um, yeah, those would probably be my two big what ifs. Yeah, that was that was really fun and also kind of depressing <laughs> watching all these. Uh, the tweet got a lot of traction, which I was happy about, but you know, it was both exciting and also really sad to just think what if about the Chargers. But you know, it could be worse. The Chargers could be like a Jets situation or a Brown situation. Yeah. So I always tell people it could be worse. You know, Jamal Adams and Derwin James are basically the same level of player. Derwin James is being treated like the face of the franchise, and the Jets don't even want to hold on to Jamal Adams at all. So, you know, it, it always could be worse. You know, one of those what-if situations a couple of years down the line is what if the Chargers took Isaiah Simmons? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never let go. Yeah. But, uh, Alex yeah. was the captain of the <laughs> Isaiah Simmons fan club in the Bull Beat, which rightfully so, he was an amazing player. Uh, you know, this all-world defensive player who can do every single position basically except for defensive tackle which he probably could even do that <laughs> yeah i'm just happy he didn't go to the giants oh yeah um yeah or the chiefs <laughs> or broncos or yeah. something hey guys want to take a moment to tell you about buzzsprout i know that if you're a podcast junkie like i am you probably have thought about starting your own podcast before i know that can be a little daunting but if you have the right help it's not that hard and Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. We've been using Buzzsprout since day one and could not recommend it enough. So if you're interested and you have that itch to start a podcast, make sure and follow the link in our show notes and Buzzsprout will be able to help you and guide you along the way. Now, let's get back to the show. So we're going to shift to this new segment. We're going to do buy or sell every once in a while. You know, it's a very popular game or segment in in the podcast world and you know i just think it's a good way to to get some dialogue going so i'm going to give a statement and we're both going to either choose buy or sell we're going to do a couple around the league terms or statements and then we're going to do some chargers ones as well so uh alex buy or sell jamal adams has played his last game as a jet i'll sell it I think I think that they're gonna hold on to him for this year, and then I think he's what two years left on his deal. Yeah, I think he'll probably play this year, and then they'll deal him next off season when he has a year left on that deal. I I still think he's gonna play for the Jets this year. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna sell that too because from a franchise standpoint, it doesn't make sense to trade someone right now. You know, you hold on to him, and then next year you can trade him when where the draft uh, order is more set so they could figure out where exactly they would be picking and what kind of value they have there. So I'm going to sell that one as well. All right, next one. Buy or sell the New England Patriots as Super Bowl contenders? <sighs> Playoff contenders, yes. Super Bowl contenders, no. I'm. That's kind of where I land on them. I just... I like them, but I don't think they're on the level of a KC or Baltimore right now. And, you know, the signing of Cam Newton, obviously, um, that's a big one for them. And so, you know, he plays well, um, you know, at a higher level than we've seen him the last couple of years. If he can get back to that 2015, 2016 form, 
then yes, I would put the Patriots in Super Bowl contenders. But right now, just because we haven't seen Cam play in a while, and um, I just think there's a lot of questions to be answered there, I'm going to sell them as Super Bowl contenders. And also just I think the rest of the AFC is getting better. Um, Buffalo, Their division is harder this year, I think. Um, right. Buffalo is obviously very good. Um Say what you will about the Jets, but I could see Darnold having a good year three. Um, you know, I think there's room for him to grow there. And now Miami has uh, two, uh, and they had a huge offseason. So um, I think they're starting to get some firepower in the AFC East. And, you know, I just haven't seen enough of Cam the last two years in particular um, just to see, you know, what he is at this point, especially after two shoulder surgeries, the foot surgery. Um you know, now he's on kind of the wrong side of 30. So, yeah, I just want to see more of Cam before I put Patriots in Super Bowl contenders. That's totally fair. I understand where you're coming from. And, you know, we've had quite a few discussions, you know, obviously because Jason Reed has been so <laughs> uh, on the Cam Newton to the Chargers train. So we've had a, a, quite a fun time this offseason talking about that. Uh, I'm actually going to buy it. I understand the concerns about Cam Newton's health long term. But if there's a coach that can get the most out of a guy like Cam, it's Bill Belichick and, and Josh McDaniels, so I think are going to do a fantastic job of building this offense around Cam's strengths. And, you know, I can't imagine that a team like the Patriots would sign Cam if they knew that he wasn't at least 80% healthy. So uh, I understand that a division is getting better and the AFC is getting better, which we'll talk about in a second. But I'm going to buy them as Super Bowl contenders because... Honestly, they've been Super Bowl contenders my entire life, and it's just <laughs> until it, it doesn't happen anymore, I, I'm just kind of like trained to buy them as contenders. But, you know, that is definitely one of the other what-ifs that someone brought up was if the Patriots didn't draft Tom Brady, which I think would have been a crazy butterfly effect situation <laughs> going on. So the next one uh, is a really interesting topic. There's been a lot of discussion about the second-year breakout quarterbacks you know drew lock and kyler murray um uh danny dimes daniel jones i forgot his name there for a second uh but we've seen this trend you know the last two years in a row of a second year quarterback making a big leap forward and winning mvp and it really should have been three years because carson wentz should have won mvp except he got hurt with like four games left don't get me started on that (laughs) don't get me started man both of us are big on carson wentz i love carson wentz uh so Buy or sell a second-year quarterback winning MVP again for the third year straight? Kyler is tempting just because of all the weapons he has around him now with Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Hopkins. It's tempting, but I'm going to say no. I think it's going to be... I, I think it's going to be someone like Mahomes or Lamar, um, some quarterback like that. I don't think it'll be a second-year Um I definitely don't think it's going to be Dan, Daniel Jones. <laughs> it felt um, weird even mentioning his name, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Locke, maybe if a couple things go right, I think he could be a contender. They do have some weapons around him. I think Kyler is the most likely. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll say sell. I think that uh, with Mahomes and Lamar still kind of at their peaks with really good teams around them, um, plus some uh, other great quarterbacks around the league. Uh, I, 
I don't see it happening for one of the second years this year. Yeah, I'm going to sell it as well. I love Kyler Murray. I, I'm a big believer in his talent. Um, but I just have this weird feeling that it's going to be an older quarterback that wins MVP this year. I don't know why. Um, I think if the Buccaneers make the playoffs and they win a game or two in the playoffs, I think Tom Brady's going to be the MVP. Like, I just think that's going to be, you know, this huge story all season long. And Drew Brees could make could definitely make a run at MVP. And you know who I'm surprised has never won the MVP or even gotten like significant hype is Russell Wilson. And with yeah. the emergence of DK Metcalf, I could honestly see that finally happening happening with with Wilson. So I'm going to sell the second year quarterbacks. Uh, I'm, I'm agreeing with you on that one. Wilson was up there last year, and then then the Lamar train just came for him, and you know, then yeah. it's you know lights out from there. Um, but yeah, Wilson, I could see Wilson for sure. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. And also, if Aaron Donald or someone gets like 20 sacks, you know, maybe a defensive player can finally win it this year. So we'll see. Uh, we're gonna shift to some Chargers ones now, uh, and the first one I want to talk about is Tyrod Taylor, and you know we. Both of us have kind of agreed with this situation where Tyrod should be the starter and Justin Herbert should sit. But it's an interesting discussion in terms of what to expect from Tyrod this year because he's been serviceable. He's been semi-successful. He's never been like this otherworldly quarterback, which I think a lot of that has to deal with his the coaching situation he's been around with and the god-awful pace of play that Rex Ryan had in Buffalo and then the terrible situation <laughs> he was in Cleveland. But... Uh, as it stands right now, his career high in passing yards is just over 3,000. So the buy or sell statement is buy or sell Tyrod Taylor passing for more than 3,500 yards, which I don't think it's totally out of this world, but are you going to buy or sell him throwing for more than 3,500 yards? I'm going to sell it, but I think there are kind of signs pointing in the direction of buying it specifically now that we have a shorter preseason uh with justin herbert um i think that dramatically um kind of decreases his odds of starting the year so i think things are going in the direction where it's like okay you know it's reasonable that you could see tyrod play a large portion of the year um so yeah i I'm going to sell it for now, but depending, it, it really all depends on how Herbert does in training camp now um, and how he does those first couple weeks of the season in terms of just, like, learning the playbook and everything. Because, like, I could see him getting in in week four or I could see him getting in in, like, week, you know, towards the end of the year um, or maybe next year. Like, there's a wide variety, I think, or wide... Um, wide potential options in terms of like when Herbert will get in. So right. I'm going to sell Tyra at 3,500 for now because I do think Herbert will get in at some point. Um, but I think it's, I think it's possible. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I also think it's possible that Justin Herbert plays at least a few games. Um, Tyra Taylor does have a bit of a concerning injury history where he'll just get dinged up and miss a game or two. So you know, there's just that combination of doubt. But I I think if Tyra Taylor plays at least 15 games, I'm going to buy this statement because, you know, we have never seen him throw for a ton of passes. And I know the Chargers want to run the ball more, but, you know, there's this huge difference in terms of how many times a game Phillip Rivers was throwing the, throwing the ball and how many times a game Tyrod was throwing it in Buffalo. So 
I think if we could bridge the gap there, I think I'm going to buy this statement because I, I'm a big believer in the weapons around Tyrod Taylor. You know, I don't know if he's going to throw for 4,000 yards, but I think he could, if he plays all 16 or 15 games, I think he could definitely eclipse 3,500 yards, which would be a fantastic season for him. I think he's going to have a very good career high type of season because frankly, there's, he's never been in this kind of situation. So we'll move on to the next one. Uh, this is a bit of an interesting one. You know, Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery have been in the, the Twitter sphere recently because they've been working out together. And Justin Jones honestly looks like he's lost a bunch of weight. He looks great. But the pass rushing ability between those two is still a little bit unknown. So I'm going to kind of throw a wild card out here. And that is, do you buy or sell Kenneth Murray having more sacks than Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery? Are you saying Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery combined? No, I'm saying like individually. Oh, individually. Um... I'll buy it. Um, I I could see Jones having a really great year. I think the thing that hurts Tillery a lot is that we're not having the normal offseason, and I think that that's really important for specifically a second-year player. Um, I could see Jones popping off. I just think they're going to use Murray so much around, like, probably weak side, and I'm sure he'll get in at the middle at some point, that I just think, you know, um, especially as he's developing in pass coverage, I'm sure they'll use him um, in pass rush much more in his rookie year. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to buy that Kenneth Murray probably has more sacks than those two individually. Yeah, this is a definitely an interesting one because Justin Jones, I think he's going to play more than Jerry Tillery. Uh, but Jerry Tillery... You know, he is the quote-unquote pass rusher specialist. Um, I think his acumen to be a pass rusher is definitely higher than Justin Jones. But, you know, this defensive tackle rotation is going to be really interesting to watch with Linval Joseph. And and it's also interesting because the Chargers rarely blitzed last year and the linebackers hardly ever got involved in that kind of action with the pass rush. So I think Kenneth Murray could probably have three or four sacks. So I, I'm tempted to buy this one. I really am. I'm going to buy it too. I, I <laughs> Because we haven't seen much out of Justin Jones in the pass rush. I think he's going to have a fantastic year, but he's more of a run stuffing guy. Jerry Tillery, like you mentioned, he didn't have a full off season last year. He's not having a full off season this year. So I think Jerry Tillery, as much as all of us wanted an offensive tackle, I think more so now because Jerry Tillery is not going to have the kind of time to develop into the type of player that the chargers need out of him. So, I'm going to buy this as well. I think Kenneth Murray is going to have at least three, probably four or five sacks this year. So we're going to shift to our last one now, and that's going to be the receivers that Tyrod is throwing to. Last year, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both crossed 1,000 yards, and Austin Eckler was very close. So are we going to buy or sell the Chargers having two 1,000-yard receivers again? I'll sell it. I think Keenan will get there. I don't know if Mike Williams will get there. I hope so. I love Mike Williams. I hope he has another uh, awesome season. I just don't know what the relationship between Tyrod and Mike will be yet, really. I think the relationship between uh, Phil and Keenan will be similar to what Tyrod and Keenan will be. 
But I just don't know how much Tyron's going to pump it, because <laughs> Philip Rivers last year was just pumping it into, like, triple coverage <laughs> to Mike Williams, 25 <laughs> 30 yards down the field. Um, so, you know, I think he's more of an aggressive, like, gunslinger. So I just kind of want to see how Tyron's going to play, and then kind of go from there. But for now, I'll sell that they have uh, 2,000-yard receivers. The other reason that they had 2,000-yard receivers last year was because you had Dontrell Inman go down, you had Travis Benjamin go down, and, you know, so they had a lot of guys go down last year at receivers, so it became, their only two receivers basically <laughs> became Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So I think that having um, Joe Reed, KJ Hill, um, yeah, so they have Joe Reed and KJ Hill now, they have Keenan, Mike, so I think it'll be more spread out also, as you said, um, Ackler and uh, probably a little bit of Jackson out of the backfield in terms of receiving. So I'll I'll sell that they have two thousand yard receivers. Yeah, you mentioned the Philip Rivers and Mike Williams relationship. It was there was that crazy stat that Pro Football Focus put out of most receiving yards when their quarterback was under pressure and Mike Williams was number one. And it, honestly, mm-hmm. last year, like you said, it was Philip Rivers would feel that pressure and he would just go, ah, Mike Williams is out there somewhere. I'm just gonna chug it deep. <laughs> and you know, it worked out sometimes and sometimes it didn't, but it was it was mostly fun to watch. And I'm gonna sell this as well. You know, I think the Chargers have more weapons, like you mentioned, and there's going to be less volume. And I think Tyrod's going to have a good year. I think he's going to set some personal records. I do, but he's not going to have the kind of throwing volume to support two 1,000 yard receivers. And so I think Keenan Allen's going to get there. Um, that's the one thing that I know Tyrod is going to do. I know that he's going to pepper his number one target with targets, and that's going to be Keenan Allen. And, you know, another reason that. Keenan and Mike were so involved in the offense is because Hunter Henry missed four games again. So, Oh, yeah, him too. If Hunter Henry's hurt again, then maybe I could see Mike Williams or Austin Eckler getting there. But like you mentioned, the Chargers have so many weapons right now, so many mouths to feed. And I don't know how involved Joe Reed and K.J. Hill are going to be in the offense, but I know that the Chargers are going to want to get them involved as much as possible. You know, Maybe Joe Reed is more like a jet sweep, uh, like second running back in the backfield type of player we don't know but yeah you know, I, I assume that between kj hill and joe reed they'll maybe get to like 600 yards receiving between the two of them uh justin jackson if he's fully healthy this year he'll have some even joshua kelly i think could have one or 200 yards receiving as well so there's a lot of mouths to feed and there's only one football so i'm gonna sell that one as well speaking of thousand yard receivers last year I'm still mad that Philip Rivers threw that seven-yard loss to Austin Right, Hitler right. That had him exactly seven yards short by the end of that last Chiefs game. Oh, man, that was um, That was infuriating. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, Mike Williams. Uh, Mike Williams just had awesome catches last year, man. The the one against uh, the Chiefs in Mexico where it looked like the miracle was going to happen again. Uh, and then Philip Rivers threw that to, you know, Sorensen or whatever. Um uh, in the end zone, but uh, there was also the Denver one was a great catch. Yeah. Um, the one against the Lions was awesome. Like he just had some great catches last year, and I think there was a stat that it's he had the most um, he had the most uh, receiving yards per uh, attempt since uh, receiving yards per catch since Deshaun Jackson in 2014, which is crazy because Mike Williams isn't even fast. <laughs> like, right. That was just uh, you know a byproduct of just him being tall and like Philip Rivers <laughs> just chucking it. Um, and him being athletic enough to come down with some great catches. So, 
Um, I hope Tyrod uses him a lot, and um, you know, it, it'll obviously that'll also depend on does Herbert get in there, when does Herbert get in there. Um, so I think if Herbert's in there. That's probably a bit better for Mike Williams than Tyrod, just because okay. I think Herbert's going to use that arm uh, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it really also depends on the quarterbacks. That's a fair point. I think Justin Herbert, you know, he would be... Justin Herbert's really conservative. That was kind of my, my issue with him is that he wouldn't... He has this crazy strong arm, but last year it was mm-hmm. almost like he didn't trust it. And so... Tyrod Taylor, he's conservative, but again, you know the pace of play and the the offensive philosophy in Buffalo was was just archaic, and so I kind of understand mm-hmm. why that happened. But Justin Herbert, the last couple of years, would just in little instances show off just this cannon of an arm, and then other times it was like, well, I'm just going to check it down, I'm going to check it down, I'm going to check it down, mm-hmm. and I really want to see him develop into. It. I don't think that you need to be a gunslinger in the NFL as a quarterback to succeed but I do want to see Justin Herbert kind of get a little more of that aggressive gene popping out and and be able to show off that that big arm that he has so that's definitely a good point that you make that Austin Eckler one man <laughs> there, I'm, I'm bitter also about the Tennessee game when he should have scored that final touchdown and yeah. no one will ever convince me otherwise and I know that the referees deemed it as short of the goal line, but you know, that's one I'm going to take to my grave is that Austin Eckler scored in Tennessee. Yeah. I, I don't like to think of it. The Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, I, that was, I was just so infuriated just with the, the Melvin Gordon thing. And like, man, that was, that was probably the roughest game of last season for me. The funny thing about that Tennessee game though, is that, that was the first win of Ryan Tannehill's Tennessee career. Yeah. And that kind of just like <laughs> vaulted the Titans into, yeah. you know, who... Then the Titans had that crazy game against the Chiefs in the regular season where Ryan Tannehill like led them back from... Well, yeah. I, think, I think they were down like 14 or something. And then <laughs> Ryan Tannehill just like just went off. He didn't, um, he didn't do much in the playoffs. I think Derrick Henry was so mm-hmm. out of this world that he didn't have to, but... Ryan Tannehill from the Chargers game to the end of the regular season was honestly Mm -hmm. really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Tannehill's just a really smart quarterback. I mean, he's not the most, like, dynamic guy, you know, but I'm curious to see what he does with a full full year in Tennessee with Derrick Henry and uh, some of the guys they have now. Uh, I love Mike Vrabel. um, He's so much fun. Uh, Ever since Mike Vrabel... uh, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, when he uh, when he uh, had the clock uh, run down, I loved him ever since that moment, and I <laughs> I just respect him so much. Um, but yeah, I think they have a really great environment down there in Tennessee, and I I could see Ryan Tannehill having uh, a good year now that he's like fully there. Yeah. Um, and they'll probably have a better game plan around him. Yeah, the Tannehill situation is going to be one to watch. You you tweeted out that you thought that Derrick Henry was the best running back in the league, and I, I this is really off topic. You know, we were going to do focus on the buy or sell <laughs> stuff, but I have a bone to pick because Derrick Henry to me, it's really hard for me to say he's the best running back in the league when all he does is just run straight. He runs straight really good though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I mean, just just I mean, you That's know, true. the playoffs were a bit of a 
exaggerated stretch for him. You know, I, I don't think he was necessarily at that high throughout the regular season. But, like, the Titans have a really good offensive line. Um, I think that Derrick Henry is just, he's just really, I think he's the most physical runner in the league. And, oh, yeah. like, you know, he doesn't, um, he doesn't get hurt often. And I think, like, there's very few running backs, I think, other than maybe, like, Christian McCaffrey, and that's like, you know, he's like kind of passing, he's kind of passing and receiving like in the vein of um, Eckler, but there's very few running backs now that are that like pure runner who can just like go downhill and like demolish you <laughs> like that, and so that's kind of what I respect a little bit about Derrick Henry. Um, the f- yeah, those kind of running backs don't really like exist anymore, yeah. and so just Derrick Henry's size and how he uses it just... Um, yeah, it's really appealing to me. There are always like these set of pictures that I'll never forget, and one of them is when Derrick Henry was at Alabama and Mark Ingram <laughs> was like the yeah. coin toss, and Mark Ingram had won the Heisman like three years before or whatever. <laughs> and Derrick Henry, like, it was like looking at a varsity senior athlete compared to like a middle schooler because Derrick Henry's six three and Mark Ingram's <laughs> yeah. like five seven or whatever. So Derrick Henry's massive and. So do you, if you're the Titans, what are you doing with Derrick Henry, though? Because he, he's on a franchise tag right now, and, but he does play yeah. running back, and we we have, are not seeing these running backs get these second contracts and then playing well. So do you give him a long-term extension, you, or what are you doing with him? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You probably don't re-sign him just because, as we've been saying, like value of the running back position and also just it's hard to put that much money into a running back when, you know, the, you know, the cliff for them comes faster than uh, a lot of other players yeah um so yeah if i were the titans i probably wouldn't re-sign henry to like a very lucrative deal but that's the other thing for the running backs too is like um what we were discussing with the market potentially being down in 2020 you know does that create a space in which the titans might be able to re-sign henry to like a decent three or four year deal instead of like overpaying uh, for him, yeah. uh, especially so, you know, you consider the value of the running back plus, you know, the market being down maybe 20%. Um, I think though that could be an interesting situation for, that Tennessee could take advantage of. Yeah, the running back situation is going to be so interesting to watch over the next couple of years because Joe Mixon's contract is up, McCaffrey's contract has, he's already got an extension. Saquon is going to come up in a few years. Alvin Kamara next year. It's going to be crazy time because. We've seen the running back kind of devalue, but now there's all these great young running backs that are coming up. Mm-hmm. So that would be really interesting to watch as well. Uh, Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap this show up? No, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, uh, I just hope, as we were saying, that the, uh, the Sixers win the bubble finals. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to throw yeah, that no, in that's there. That's about huh? it. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I'm excited because July, you know, there's this uh, tweet out there that all the sports are coming back now, and I'm really excited about that. I forgot to mention this at the start. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day, if you don't know that story. <laughs> you know, it's quite a finesse move from Bobby Bonilla that he still is reaping the benefits of today. Uh, and also, happy Canada Day. We are recording this July 1st. If you're one of our Canadian listeners, happy Canada Day. I don't really know the extent of that. I would love to learn more about Canadian history. Uh, And happy 4th of July weekend. You know, I think times have been tough in this country recently, but 
there's still a lot of things to celebrate and hopefully you guys can get some some quality celebrations in and some, have a good barbecue or something this weekend uh alex where can chargers fans follow you on social media you can follow me on twitter at uh, alex lance dorf a-l-e-x-l-a-n-c-e-d-o-r-f um yeah you can follow me there same thing on instagram if you want to follow me there um yeah those two places you could follow me and also just uh keep reading bolt beat um you know i will get back to posting articles there soon as soon as i move all my stuff into my house um (laughs) but (laughs) uh yeah so yeah those are the places you can find me online awesome well it's been a pleasure recording with alex today for his first episode you made it through the first episode so happy to have him with us you know i think this podcast there's a lot of things to be excited about and Alex is going to be a new energy and a, and a lot of new insight, which I'm really excited about as well. Uh, you can follow me at Stephen I Hagland and the podcast at GC Podcast 17. Please make sure you leave a rating and review and definitely hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.